Welcome to Video Vices with Contemporary Research. Listen in monthly as we talk integration, innovation, and industry with leaders across AV. Welcome to the podcast today. I am your host, Tyler Kern, and joining me is John Thomas, the Regional Manager of Visitech Marketing Associates. John, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, John. Absolutely, but it's not just John. Kelly Perkins, the Program Director for NSCA Education Foundation, also joins us. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us as well. Thank you as well, Tyler. So today we're talking about the problem of lagging recruitment in the AV industry. And uh, many of the people who have worked in this industry for a long time are headed towards retirement age and really aging out of the workforce. Now, so for such a large industry that's projected to reach $230 billion by 2023, there's no shortage of career opportunities, and we're going to be talking talking about that today. But first, I wanted to ask the two of you, and maybe John, we'll start with, with your story. What, what drew you to the industry initially, and how did you end up working in, in Pro-AV? Well, guys my age, because I'm, I'm one of the, uh, the old guys in the industry uh, <laughs> that, that we're all trying to replace and backfill my position and positions like mine. Um, like all guys of my generation, or all people of my generation, when the industry started, we got here by accident. And uh, we, we may have started on one career path and ended up in audiovisual because that's the way the industry went. Most of us who have been in it for as long as I have, and that's 35 years, uh, probably started out in broadcast like I did and uh, um, started doing a number of different, uh, uh, different jobs, hopping from broadcast job to broadcast job, everything from film to photography to editing. Uh, to uh, some creative ventures, and then finally finding myself in the audiovisual industry because that seemed to be the only stable way to, to make a living. And then uh, uh, finding uh, finding that there were, were several career paths available to me, but nothing uh, nothing that at the time that I could be specific about. Uh, and it was just stepping into roles as time went on and as the industry rest. And I think that you'll find that's a that's a common background. Other common backgrounds for people in my generation are they started out in the music industry uh, or they uh, in the audio, uh, general audio industry, uh, uh, or of course in, in video and broadcast. Yeah, John, I, I want to ask a follow-up about that real quick just because I started off in the world of radio and um, it, it seems to me just that just in the world of local broadcasts, local radio stations, TV stations, um, and that sort of thing, that jobs in those sectors have kind of began to dwindle and maybe uh, shrink a little bit. It, it, do you think that that is maybe a factor, just that that avenue that was used for such a long time to kind of launch into the career path that you have uh, has in some ways shrank a little bit over the last uh, decade or so? Well, you know, it was it was not a very large uh, segment in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always very competitive and hard to hard to find work, which is why a lot of us uh, migrated over to audiovisual. We just couldn't find those producer jobs or cameraman jobs or writing jobs or <clears throat> editing jobs because there weren't enough of them. And um, <clears throat> I, right now, the the audiovisual industry is Kelly. How, how many how many openings do we currently have in the audiovisual industry? So at any given time, at least members of the association I work for, there's a good 17,000 plus across the United States, and that's just members of our association. So 17,000 open positions, and we can't seem to be able to fill them very quickly and or find 
or find candidates that even recognize that it's a it's a great career path and uh, Kelly has been working really really hard on that but Kelly's background is pretty interesting too yeah Kelly I want to hear more about your story and how you ended up in the industry I'll be honest it's not all that different from John's <laughs> um, so I've been in the industry for about 10 years my background in schooling was uh, broadcast journalism and design and I did a couple internships in college for like you, Tyler, a radio station. I worked for the CBS affiliate here in Minneapolis. And then I got, I couldn't find a job when I graduated. So I took a couple, couple jobs in marketing because that seemed to be kind of the next, the next good fit where there was actually open positions because there wasn't really any positions in broadcast at the time. And during the recession, I got let go at an advertising agency and, you know, it was kind of grabbing at straws for anything, and I ended up uh, getting answering a classified ad to work for a small kind of startup uh, video company in our industry, and kind of worked my way up through, through that, and it was so much fun and awesome, and kind of fell in love with the industry, and like most people who are now in the AV industry, can't leave because it's so much fun and so awesome and it's kind of a hidden gem amongst the rest of the world. It's this tight-knit group of ridiculously awesome, smart, passionate people and it's 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 one of those things where I'm, I'm so proud of it and so passionate for the industry that I want to share it with all of the young folks and other people out there um, and just get them excited about it and probably as excited as most people are in our industry. One of the one of the problems is is that we are so tight knit, and uh, and we are so consistent as far as the uh, the people that have been in the in the industry. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Kelly experiences this uh, over the last ten years, but I've experienced over the last thirty five years. Um, whenever I go to an to an industry event, I I see most of the same faces I've seen for the last thirty five years. It seems like never. That people never leave or never want to leave. Um, and one of the problems of attracting people is that because we are so tight-knit, we're a tribe, and it's hard to break into a tribe and feel comfortable unless you have somebody bring you in and, well, mentor you. And, and this is where I'm going to segue into mentoring. Um, so we're, we're a very close-knit community. Everybody seems to know everyone else, or everyone seems to know someone who knows you. Uh, until we get to Kevin Bacon, of course, and then, <laughs> and then suddenly, um, we try to bring in new people, and we've got our own language, our own acronyms. Uh, I think Avixa has a uh, a list of acronyms uh, in the industry. There are over a thousand acronyms, meaning something either a either a standard or a, a type of cable or a type of format. And uh, there, it, it, it's, you're speaking a totally different language. We expect people to understand what we're talking about. We expect people to understand uh, how, to, how to finish our sentences almost, which all of us can do who have been around for a long time. We can finish our thoughts, finish our sentences. We recognize certain things. But new people coming in, have no way of doing that unless they work in it for a long time. And Kelly's reference to how people are now, how young people are now, it's a new generation brought up in a, 
uh, in, in a more engaged way with technology. And they have certain criteria that their traditional AV industry doesn't seem to understand how to meet. Um, I met a, a young man yesterday who was working for a consulting firm. And I, he was, he's 23. And I said, what, what drew you to this? He, he said, I, I, you didn't know anything about the consulting job, the consulting industry. He said, no, I, I don't know anything about it. He says, I, yeah, I feel like uh, I'm an imposter in, in, this, mm. in this job. Uh, but what attracted me was that they compensated me well. They provided me training, ongoing training, and they give me flexibility. He said, as long as I complete my work, my days are pretty much my own. I have, a, I have a great balance to my life. And that's very, very important, I think, to young people. Kelly, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And I don't think, I don't think it's specific to our industry as well. I think it's just the next generation. You know, they want that flexibility. They don't want to have to you know, go butt in seat every morning at 8, 8 a.m. and not be able to leave till 5 p.m. And... The thing that, you know, and I know it's a struggle in our industry, and, and I'll hit on two points here, one of them being, um, you know, it's, I think, I think our industry has, has struggled with that in the past, and, and I've heard, I've heard, you know, comments and feedback from a lot of folks in our industry who own companies, and they're just like, we can't afford to pay as much as an IT company, we, we just can't afford it, and I said, well, pay them with, compensate them in other ways, you know, compensate them by allowing them flexibility and, and maybe a great culture at work and the opportunity to take, you know, vacation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I also think on this, on that same note is we have the ability to do that. I mean, if any industry has the ability to allow for flexible work time, it's us because that's what we sell. <laughs> that's, that's our bread and butter is video and audio. Even this podcast today, I mean, it's, it's already set up in our houses. So I just don't understand why there's such a, I guess, why it's such an obstacle or such a thing still, if you know what I mean. I, I think that, uh, that a, lot of, uh, a lot of business owners in our industry, particularly uh, the integrators, the resellers, the distributors, not the manufacturers, um, in, in most cases, but I think they are still run by many of the same people that started them 30 years ago, 25 years ago. A lot of these owners are trying to find uh, a transition now, and they're trying to develop the next generation of leadership, but they are looking for someone that is going to work like they did. They're working for someone who is going to be like they are, and uh, a younger generation, and, and I have I have children of that generation, and I know how they are, and I know how they like to work. Uh, aren't aren't necessarily going to be like that. They've got a different approach to work and a different approach to to balance. Um, several years ago, Google, who everybody admires for the kind of organization they build and the kind of engagement they establish with their employees. Google did a survey among their own employees of how to build the most effective and productive team. And they came up after a few years of uh, really hard research among all of their teams and uh, their entire population and how they work together. 
uh, and how they engaged each other, they came up with uh, five different criteria that are critical for building a team. And, and I, I won't go over each piece of criteria, but what's important is that they focused on the team. And the one thing that I tell people when I, when I present about mentoring, and I, and I do my standard presentation on the, on the mentoring program that we develop, uh, is don't hire the individual. Don't look for the best person, the person who's going to be the, the shining star. Hire for the team. Don't hire for the person. Hire so that they fit into the team and they fill a role. Strengthen your team, and I guarantee you, if you hire for the team, you're going to hire an engaged employee because that team is going to be ready for them, and they're going to have a place to fit in and part of the tribe in which to, in which to fit in and, and understand how things work, and that's critical. And uh, not enough of uh, not enough of the companies do uh, do that. They they look for the individual, but not how do I complete my team? I think that's really wise advice. You know, I when you, when you talk about adding somebody to a team, you then give them teammates and people to look to around them and look up to. And I think that that's that's really wise and really smart. I was I was talking to someone recently um, just about the state of baseball, and they were talking about how. Uh, younger people aren't as interested in baseball anymore. And one of the things that he said that kind of resonated with me is that uh, younger people want somebody to look up to and to emulate um, in, in a way that, that makes sense with them. And so is is that career path, um, that clear career path and those examples, are those things that are readily available for younger people that are coming into the industry? Or is that something that, that is lacking and, and needs to be bolstered? So just to give you an idea, so I've, I've been working pretty tirelessly trying to get a a website up that just explains what our industry does <laughs> because we don't I mean it's it's like I tell people what I do and they don't even know where to go and and what I, I have not one place to send them so I've been I've been doing a lot of interviews several brainstorming sessions and just trying to get an idea of of how the industry how we need to portray the industry to young people and a big piece of that was the, a career path into our industry. So where you can start and where you can go and where all of the opportunities are. And I got a room full of HR directors, uh, business owner, an outreach diversity coordinator, and a manufacturer. So I, I had a room of about 10 people and we did kind of a half day brainstorming session on career paths and just a general career path uh, in our industry. And what, what ended up happening was kind of surprising as we, as we, progress through the day because at first we were kind of debating on should we start from retirement and go backwards and then the unanimous feedback on that was well no because trying to get kids into the industry that like terrifies them to think of retirement and that's so far out of the realm of their mindset at that point we, we can't do that so then we go back to okay let's let's just go around the room and discuss how we got into the industry kind of like what we John and I just did, right? How did we get into the industry? What drew us into the industry? And and where did where did we all get you know, where are we now compared to then? And the the interesting part is out of everyone in that room, we've I mean, there's so many opportunities in our industry. You can work for 
an integration company, you can be a consultant, you can be a manufacturer, you can be an end user, uh, an end user customer, you can be a distributor, you can be an independent sales rep. There's so many options in our industry that it's almost endless, right? So, so creating a general career path doesn't make sense. So what we ended up doing is, based on that meeting, I interviewed about 25 people and once we officially launch our new website, which hopefully is the end of next week, it really takes the idea of telling those individual stories and really following their career path because it's all different. You know, some people started out in TV and radio, some people started out writing, some people started out as a technician or in engineering and then moved to marketing and then moved, you know, different organizations. The only thing that was really the common thread between everyone that we've interviewed is that none of them have left the industry. And that has to, that I feel like tells, tells a really big story there. Yeah, I, I think it absolutely does because I, I, I read a study recently where people were asked why they're leaving their current job and, and why they're looking for a new job. And the number one answer that, that more people gave than anything else was that they wanted new challenges and new opportunities and opportunities for advancement. So I think retention is just as big a part of the conversation as recruitment in the first place, right? So, um, so what what ways are there to really retain employees and kind of train them and show them the value of of staying in in an industry uh, long term like Pro AV? Well, you know, y- young people today, and Kelly and Tyler, you're you're young. You tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I firmly believe that young people today need to believe that the work they do matters. Yes. That it has to have an impact. And the meaning of work is critical to retention. Is it important? Is what you're doing important? Do you feel free to express your ideas and to contribute? Are you respected? Are you given the flexibility that you need to get your job done? And the one question that very, very few employers ask of new hires is what, are, what can you do that I don't know about? What are you good at that you haven't told me about? Give me something about yourself. Some skill or talent that you can do. It could be anything. It could be singing. It could be music. It could be whatever. But engaging an employee to find out where their skills are and having them volunteer that, something that they feel they're really good at and very effective at, can get that person engaged in that company because it could possibly be a skill that's missing from that team. It could be a skill that's missing from that uh, company's mission. Um, and it's very important to engage people like that so that they could feel that what they're doing will have an impact on, on, the, on the goals of the company. Coming from my previous job, well, even at the, the job I'm in now, there's, there's a couple young people, but I used to manage uh, five people probably between the age of 21 and 35. And, you know, what I've discovered while managing is, you know, you really, you, A, you have to give them ownership. Right. So they have to be able to own something, whatever, whatever that is, whether it's events, whether, you know, whatever it is on your team, they have to they have to be able to own something because you have to have accountability. But you also have to have that empowerment. 
right? And then you take that team of individuals and you all work together. So you, you know, it's not like you're just doing one thing, right? You're, you're working, you, you own this one piece, but you're also helping everybody else kind of going along the lines of hiring for a team. You're helping everybody else be successful as well. And you as a manager really have to, have to kind of just keep that rhythm going and make sure that if anybody has suggestions, if anybody has challenges, if anybody has troubles, that you're right there to help them, you know, and you have, you have to keep that, that rhythm and that flow going within that team. And I think I, for, at least for me, that's been really successful. And I think people get excited and, and, and the whole idea of something bigger and something higher and being proud of your work is huge. I would say that's, that's, that's a really, really big piece. Because who wants to go to who wants to go to work and be a, a cog in the wheel and not understand how they're contributing to their organization or the community? I mean that just is so depressing. <laughs> you know every every job every every company every job every employee has to have a strategic purpose, um, and they have to know what that is, and they have to be given that because that's their that's their role, that's their mm-hmm. contribution, that's their identity in a company. Um, and, a, and a lot of a lot of our companies in the AV industry, including many manufacturers, fail to establish the the strategic purpose of what they're doing. They fail to establish why they do what they do, what problems they are solving, what service they are providing, and to make it a, a, a targeted communication so that their employees know what their jobs are and why they're doing their jobs. And that's one way to engage. The, the engagement that is most important to me are for companies to establish a mentoring program internally that makes sense for them, that meets their strategic purpose, that is accountable and follows a plan and one of the one of the things I've seen in the industry uh, uh, particularly among industry associations is that we're all really enthusiastic about mentoring so an organization will uh, have a website where people in our industry can volunteer as mentors and uh, we could place their names and their contact information on the website and young people who are interested in this industry or trying to get jobs can click on those names, can establish contact with those people, and use them as mentors. Well, that's not how mentorship works. Mentoring it only really works within an organization or if there is a relationship between two people outside of the organization. That is a trusting relationship. And everybody has to have some skin in the game. So you have to be accountable. So you have to establish a strategic purpose for that mentoring. You have to establish goals for that employee. And then you have to assign somebody who's going to be accountable for helping that employee find a career path within the company or within their organization and guide them along the way. And it's not somebody who's their boss. And it doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be somebody that does the same job they do but it's somebody who they can feel safe with, who they can talk about their doubts, about how they feel like, you know, like I said before, I'm an imposter. I'm not sure if I even belong here. Somebody who can share tribal knowledge and guide them along while they become more comfortable in their role and they can feel that they're contributing to a team. 
there there are really four stages to an employee when they when they first start with a company. Uh, in the first couple of months, the employee thinks about themselves. It's very self-centered. What do people think of me? Um, do people like me? Do people respect me? Uh, do I have do I have the uh, the knowledge and the skills to do this job? And the next level that you want to take them to is you want to take them to the part where they feel like they are contributing to a team, that they're respected, that they have a role, that they have a purpose, and they know what their job is. The next level that you take them to is they no longer think about being a member of the team. They only think about the company's mission, the company's purpose, and they're completely engaged in the company's uh, goals and on why the company exists. And the final stage is they don't even think about that. All they think about is the company's customers. How do I take care of them? It doesn't matter what I do or who I work for. I'm a part of this team. I'm a part of this company. And I care deeply about our customers and their satisfaction. And I'm only thinking of how we take care of them. And those are the stages you want to take an employee with. Once they get to that end stage of their customer oriented and all they're thinking about is how, how satisfied and happy their customers are, you've got an employee who you 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 own that whole situation that employee owns their job they own their purpose and they become part of the company's mission and that's the kind of engagement that everybody dreams of to for a new employee because i guarantee you they'll they'll stay with you right and you know i think you raised a really good point uh, that we, you know, we do a lot of uh, of podcasts here at Market Scan. I talk to a lot of different companies, and companies are very good at talking about what they do, uh, but not nearly as good at evangelizing why they do what they do. And I think that that's a really large, a really large aspect of what you're talking about is that people want that why, and they do want that investment, like you're talking about, and to be brought into a situation where they clearly understand what is being asked of them and how it's helping people in their larger purpose in that role. And I think that that uh, I think that that is um, a missing aspect to a lot of industries. But but I think that you're absolutely right in, in talking about how it applies here in AV. Kelly's Kelly's efforts in um, Ignite have an interesting approach, uh, kind of a mixed approach to not only uh, recruiting young people, but also um, really helping companies figure out how to recruit people. Uh, Kelly, can you talk about the internship program at Ignite? I, I just think that's, yeah. that, that is a, a remarkable effort that I think can be extraordinarily successful for all of us. So, yeah, so regarding Ignite, it, it kind of, it trans, just to give you a quick background on, on the Ignite program in, in general, a high level overview is, it came about for the reasons that we've been having this conversation, right? The talent shortage, we can't recruit, we don't know what to do, et cetera. So what we, what we ended up doing is putting some time and effort on, on, uh, within our, our board and the, and the foundation to create this initiative, okay? And it really, it really started with the idea of putting together an internship program for our industry because most of, most of the companies in our industry didn't understand how to put together a successful internship program let alone find students or, or people to actually participate in it. So we worked together to put together um, a, a 
very high overview, high level overview of the of the AV industry into a learning management system online. And it really takes you through, and it's, it's meant as a framework. So it's not, companies don't have to follow it, you know, to a T. They can use, you know, bits and pieces of it. They can follow all of it. It's, it's completely open and it's completely free. So we created this online learning management system that really takes students or interns uh, through an eight to 12 week, uh, eight to 12 week in summer internship. And during that internship, the first two weeks are meant to really be get an idea of what the business does. So when we talk about that higher level piece, you know, you want to work for a company where you you believe in the higher level and you and really, really believe in what the company does. It's let's spend, have, have you spend a little bit of time in purchasing. Let's have you spend a little bit of time in sales and project management and installation and service and really get a feel for how the business works and what everybody in the company does. Okay, then... You know, the third and fourth week are really meant to, okay, as an intern or student, you know, what 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 area do I want to go into? You know, do I want to go into sales and marketing? Do I want to go into project management? Do I want to go into engineering? You know, getting, getting a feel of, of narrowing that down. Then once you kind of start to actually go, okay, I'm, I'm really, I thought I was really interested in engineering, but oh, I'm really interested in programming. So then you spend the next couple of weeks really doing online video tutorials and there's quizzes and it's 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 fairly interactive but it really goes pretty deep into that specific job role or that specific department during that period of time we've also added uh, soft skills training so a lot of the students who are coming into internship programs a lot of the times this is their first professional experience so it's basic things like how to communicate how to dress for work you know being on time is actually really important. All of these things, so we've I've kind of curated, based on feedback from a lot of folks in the industry, uh, some Harvard Business Review articles, uh, some books to recommend, as well as some videos to watch. You know, you brought up the why, like Simon Sinek is on there. Uh, and it, it kind of goes through that along with the, uh, uh, the video tutorials based on the job role. Once that's completed it's really the last two weeks are meant to just really spend time and delve into that job role so there's a there's a ton of job shadowing a ton of um you know specifically working with people so it's been it's been a really successful internship program thus far we just piloted it last summer and so there were about 25 interns that participated in this program some of them followed our program our online learning management system and had great results. Uh, we've had some that have their their own internship programs, and I, I spent a lot of time talking with with those um, internship sponsors, I guess you could call them, as well as the interns, to try and really take the internship program this summer uh, to the next level. To really focus on, you know, what what those interns learned, what what they what they wanted and that they didn't necessarily get. Uh, and then on the other side too, from the employer standpoint, you know, what, what worked for you guys. And uh, I think overall it was a really positive experience um, and I'm ready to <laughs> kick it into full gear this summer. So we're actually accepting applications now and the, the organization that I work uh, for NSCA actually offers uh, Ignite grants to help offset the stipend, to help offset the cost of bringing on that intern. So it's it's a pretty cool program and I'm always open to suggestions and ways to make it better. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of the gist of the internship program. That's fantastic. And I think that really tackles a lot of a lot of the different areas that we've talked about, a lot of the different maybe weaknesses in the industry. I think it really um, is, is a fantastic program. Um, I'm I'm wondering now, just kind of from uh, the other side, the, a different perspective, I suppose. Like, if you're a company and you're listening to this, thinking, okay, yes, I really, you know, I I know I need to find young people and, and qualified young people, um, but I don't know where to start. What what would you be your recommendation? Like, where should people, uh, you know, first start that are hearing this, thinking, okay, yeah, I I I'm bought in. Where do I what do I do next? The interesting part about that is, so I've spent. I've been in my, my position now for about 10 months. And my experience prior to that was really just marketing in general. So this is a different type of role for me. And I spent probably the first six months of my, of my role really just kind of diving in head first, okay? Asking a million questions, you know, from, from the integration side, from the manufacturer side, from, from the employer side. But I also got in contact with a ton of schools. So I talked to community schools. I talked to... I talked to tech colleges, I talked to four-year universities, I talked to some small certification programs and all over the board, as well as students. And the funny thing is, is that we all want the same thing. It, it, it's amazing to me that we can't quite connect the dots yet, but there are a ton of schools that have audiovisual type programs across the country that are looking for students. And they're not only looking for students, they're looking for places to place these students once they graduate because it only helps them, you know, with, with enrollment, right? So it's just, it's trying to connect those dots. Um, so what I've, what I've been trying to do is really create a database of, of organizations in our industry that are looking to support this, as well as schools across the country that are looking uh, for organizations to partner with. So I think the biggest, the biggest way for employers to find students and find interns is to connect with local schools. You know, Google local schools in your area, go on the Ignite website on our locator page, but create that pipeline between those schools because that's really where you're going to you're going to get the biggest bang for the buck. And the best thing about creating that pipeline and getting a contact at that school is that they cycle through students, right? So every semester there's new students coming through. So you can basically create like an, like a pipeline directly to your company. So I think, I think that's the biggest, that's the best way to do it. You know, and, I, and I'll, I'll also follow that up with, I know it's time consuming and it's a lot of work to get involved with schools, but at the same time, if you want quality talent coming in your door, you have to put in the work too. So that would be my recommendation as far as, as far as even taking that a step further, uh, speaking with a lot of the the teachers and professors and career services folks, they really want your organization to go in there and speak. Okay, like being a part of the career fair is fine. You know, and that gives you, you know, you could potentially get get some get some students or entry level positions filled that way, but they really want you to they really want organizations to get in front of the students and explain what it is we do and why it's so cool. And even perhaps um, allow for a field trip to uh you know, to maybe a stadium that you did or, a, you know, some sort of project that you've done in town or even your, your own office if you have a showroom. So that, that to me would be my biggest advice to folks listening to this is, you know, get involved with the schools. That's where, that's where the qualified talent is. To add on what Kelly said, what's particularly important 
when you get involved in recruitment in schools, when you're going there to speak, when you're going there to represent yourself in the industry, please don't send the oldest employees there. Send <laughs> young people. Young people are not going to want to listen or hear from guys like me telling them what a wonderful career opportunity it is. There's nothing cool about listening about jobs from somebody who reminds you of, of their grandfather or their father. They want to see other people like them. They want to see other young people. They want to know that it's cool and it's, uh, it's fun. And they're going to be part of a team of people that are going to be close to their age. I think most, most young people, um, uh, and here's, here's the other segment, not only young people, but young women and uh, young people of color. We really have a huge shortage in our industry. And I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because just as young people want to be with other young people, women would love to walk into a place and not be the only woman in the organization or one of two or one of three. And uh, I think people of color would feel the same way. Our industry is incredibly, oh, I, I don't know how I could say this and be politically correct. Uh, we're incredibly one-sided when it, when it comes to gender and race. And it's very difficult to attract a broader base of people if all you're sending out are old white guys like me. So I would encourage companies to think about how they represent themselves and think about how they come across uh, to uh, to young people. Yeah, I think it goes back to that idea of people want to see other people uh that are that are doing it that that you know represent kind of what they would like to be themselves and uh and some sometimes just having people from uh diverse backgrounds and and, and you know different genders, different races uh offers people you know the ability to say yeah, I can I can do that, and I want to be like that person as well. Um, and just having that representation is is helpful. So I I absolutely see what you mean there, John. The other thing too is is that forty percent of our industry, forty percent of the employees in our industry, are over the age of fifty five, and that means within the next ten years, we're going to lose a lot of people, and we aren't doing a very good job of backfilling those positions. So it is critical now as we look forward so that we remain a viable industry, that we backfill those positions with young people, with people with strong skills, diverse skills that could come in and fill those positions and take us to the next level. Um, where we're going right now, we're, mm -hmm. we're sort of running in place. We're doing fine because the economy is doing fine. Every integrator out there, every manufacturer is going to tell you, wow, we've had a great couple of years. Um, it's not always going to, going to be like that. And it wasn't like that a few years ago during the recession. But we're running in place right now because we're lucky. Um, there's going to be a point in time when we're not going to be so lucky because we're not going to have enough people to finish the work that we do or to go out and communicate the work that we do. I can't, uh, there, there's not a week goes by. And because I'm a manufacturer's representative, I visit resellers, I visit dealers. We represent manufacturers who don't have a, a sales force. And uh, there's not a week that goes by that 
an integrator comes up to me and says, I don't have enough people to finish the work that I've got. Where do I find installers, technicians? I can't find enough people to help me. And that's where Kelly's organization and Kelly's efforts and uh, Ignite's efforts come in. That could really be critical to finding young people to fill those roles. Absolutely. And so, you know, we, we've, we talked earlier about uh, companies talking about what they do, but also then why they do. And I think that you guys have done a great job explaining today uh, what you're doing to help solve this problem and why the problem is so pressing and why uh, there is such a great need uh, for what exactly you're doing. So I, I think that that is, um, I think you've laid out that case uh, very well today. And, um, and yeah, I've really enjoyed getting to have this conversation with the two of you, John Thomas and Kelly Perkins. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today, guys. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. It was great.